Hey everyone, this is John Gunter from the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Today we continue our series in Revelation. We start with uh, this throne room scene from Revelation 4 and 5. And so what you'll hear is uh, we'll, we'll read through that because we avoid Revelation so much. We need to hear it and then kind of discuss what John sees as he describes this throne room with all of these, I don't know, animals and animal-like things, some man-like, all these things that kind of get our imagination going. But again, I hope this series is helpful for you. I hope it, it helps you to feel a little more confident as you find the book of Revelation in your Bible. So again, we'd, we'd like to have you visit anytime you have a chance. Have a great week. Through all of it. And so I know for, if you grew up like I did, you spent a lot of time in the first three chapters or so. I caught some stuff there at the end uh, in Revelation 21 or so. You know, liars go to, I mean, we made up a song about that because we like that part. But we didn't know what to do with the rest of it. And so my, my hope and prayer is, is that we get to spend some time within the Word of God in Revelation. And uh, we're not going to be afraid of it. So we're going we're gonna to go through and we're going to handle it. But if you were hoping for the letters of the churches, that was last week. We ended that. Now we get into the more interesting kind of what do I do with this part of Revelation. And so, uh, again, I want to spend time in it. And so today we read uh, chapters 4 and 5 as our scripture reading. Starting in, verse, in chapter 4, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seating on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You recognize that? Those of you who weren't sleeping. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. 
See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Revelation four and five. Now, how many of you feel like you're very like artistic not autistic, artistic. Like you like art, you like you know, like, like painting. Anybody in here? I've never considered myself to be that. When I met my biological family, I found out that a lot of the men in the family are really good painters. And so that kind of like, oh, well, maybe I do have that talent. I do not. <laughs> I, I can draw a, a little bit, and that's with, uh, you know, I kind of have to do the, uh, the YouTube Drawing Academy type stuff, you know. Uh, but I've never thought myself as, as someone who could just, you know, think of something and, and just draw it. I need to be looking at it and need to do all that. I had a buddy in high school who I showed him this new cool band that I liked. And we watched a, a new video they had. And we watched, you remember when you had to do that? You had to be in the right place at the right time to see the video. Some of you won't get that. But you had to be there. And so we watched it a couple of times. And uh, uh, the next day he drew a perfect picture of the band. Like I knew them better than he did but he could draw it. And so I've, I've always been kind of enamored with people who could do that. And so it's, to me, it's not, uh, uh, it's not any surprise that Jesus revealed this vision to that John and not this one, because I wouldn't know what to do with it. Uh, you think about this, again, from uh, Revelation 4, starting verse 3, the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. What do you do with that? Pinkish red in both of them. Now, I'm partially colorblind, so me, it would be, I think it was red. It would end with a question mark, not a period. Like, I, I think. And so he goes on, he said, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne, which we just sang about. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Then they had 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their head. And then he says, from the throne, so from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, uh, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. I'll, I read this the same way I read it just then. That John is just trying to explain everything he's, heard, he's seen. 
Like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get what I saw. You know, it, it looked like, that's, what I, that's how I read that. It looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the center around it, there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. Second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. That's the stuff of horror movies right there, isn't it? Like when you think of uh, being around God's throne room, is it ever in your mind that I'm standing next to a being who's got all these eyes up under its wings and stuff like that? Like I'm probably moving to the center of all the people at that point. And so that's why when we get to Revelation, we don't really know what to do with a lot of this. Uh, so we go, okay, isn't this interesting? Let's not ever read that again because I'm uncomfortable, right? Uh, there's a couple of things I want to I point out here that I think we can get from John being given this vision from Jesus. What God has planned is beyond our imagination. I need to hear an amen on that. Can we sit here and just all agree that we don't have it all figured out as far as what's going to happen? That you get to heaven or whatever the, the place is like, if it doesn't meet your expectations, you're just going to be sitting there cross-armed, right? Well, I thought I was getting this. We sang that song about mansions, and I don't have a mansion. What, what God has planned is beyond our imagination. Think of the way uh, John describes God. Did John describe God as an old white man with a staff sitting on the throne? I don't know what your picture of God is or Jesus for that, that matter, but how does he describe him? Again, Ruby and Jasper, that's the best he's got. Like, John, you couldn't come up with anything else? It looked like Ruby and Jasper. And so we forget even that the way God relates to humans, the way God relates to us is for our benefit. We couldn't handle or understand God. Is God a man? No. John 4 tells us that God is spirit, so we worship him in what? Spirit and truth. And so when John sees a throne, he understands it to be the throne of God, but the best he can do is look like Ruby and Jasper. I don't know how you distinguish between those two, by the way, because I looked them up, and even on my computer screen, they look the same to me. Again, partial colorblind, I don't get it. But that's what he said, that the way God is revealed there is Ruby and Jasper. I don't know what you do. Uh, with all the other things that are kind of scary-looking beings there. But notice that, that, that God is just trying to give him something that, that you can grab onto and see, okay, God is here. And again, God will be worshipped. Did you notice that in this throne room that it's not in the center is a man, and God is just thanking them, constantly saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. I think some of us think that's what heaven is like, is that God is so grateful for the life I live that maybe my, my throne is in the center, and God is just thanking me constantly. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, don't we? But that's not what this is about. It is about God being worshipped. And so we need to understand that, that in the middle of this, God is the center of this worship. Now, who is worshiping God in this moment? 
say everything. Everyone, everything. What you saw is creation. What you saw is animals, men. Now, what do you do with that? When I was at Harding, I was sitting in a class, and one of the kids raised their hand and said, hey, well, anybody seen the, the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven? Oh, for some of you, that's like an ancient relic. But yeah, some of you have. And so some kid asked a question about, hey, will, will there be animals in heaven? And I'll be honest, my first thought is, why are we asking this question? We've got souls to save, people. That is a good time to ask a question. You're sitting in a class. And my professor, I, I thought, oh, he's going to shut them down. He didn't. He pointed to Revelation and said, you see where the animals in creation are here even worshiping God. Somebody asked me after the first service, does that mean our dogs are going to be in heaven? I said, I can't tell you anything definitively, but after reading this and having that conversation, I'm thinking, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe that's the case. Now, some of you had a dog or a cat you don't want in heaven. I get that. <laughs> I understand. But, but, you know, Scripture is filled with a creation groans for the kingdom of God to come here. You know, creation wants it. And then God reveals this vision to John, and he doesn't, just give him men standing around hanging out. It's all creation that there are these beings like a lion, like an ox, all these things. And so God will be worshiped by everything and everybody. Uh, one of the things that you need to know, and, and I'm sure there's a question on your mind as you come to this, and you think about the vision John is trying to, to give you, the question is, when we get to heaven, will there be like... Um, Will all this be literal? Well, I get to heaven and think, you know, God is probably Ruby and Jasper and, you know, stuff like that. I want to give you the definitive answer this morning. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. But I think one of the things God is doing in this moment is he is pushing back against some of the things that the people are experiencing. Again, relating to people in ways that we understand. Because, again, we, we're people. We're human beings. We can't... Grasp God in his fullness, okay, until a later day. So this is something you should know. Public appearances of the emperor, so the Roman emperor, okay, public appearances of the emperor often featured him sitting on a throne and accompanied by a crowd of friends, advisors, and attendants. When the emperor traveled, communities would send representatives, sometimes dressed in white, to greet him and present him with golden crowns to show their recognition of his sovereignty, those who approached the throne would prostrate themselves, sometimes bowing down before the throne, even when the emperor was absent. Isn't that interesting? And so their picture of culture in their time, remember, Rome occupied all of the, the area at that time. And so their picture was emperor worship. They, they came into contact with that all the time. And so they would be familiar with this kind of scene. But who's in the middle of the throne? Is it the Roman emperor? No, it is not. It is God sitting on the throne. And so that's kind of pushing back against what their culture was pushing on them. You get that? And so there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, another thing that we need to know, lion or lamb. Did you notice that? When John gets into chapter 5, he, he says he weeps. And we can read the prophets, and every time they kind of come into contact with God in this kind of scenario, a lot of times it, it breaks down and I'm getting on the ground, I, I'm bowing, I'm crying, I'm whatever. Uh, Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean, around a people with unclean, you know, I'm just I'm no good here. We put myself down and John has this emotional thing 
when no one is there to open the scroll. And remember, uh, somebody said to him, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy and can open the scroll. Now, I think we like the picture of the lion because the lion is big and strong and agile, kind of frighteningly so. Anybody ever been to Houston Zoo? Don't recommend any zoo ever. But Houston Zoo, sorry, I'm anti-zoo. All my experiences to the zoo, like this one, I, we went to the lion enclosure when uh, Evan had a, trip, a school trip to the zoo. And so I go to the lion enclosure and see, well, here's the lions and there are none in there. Like that's mostly my experience at the zoo. Like here's a picture of this. They're not in there. But what I didn't know are the lions, if you've been there, you know there's big rocks in the middle and they were up on that. And so as soon as my eyes hit that, oh my goodness, I need to run. Because they're humongous, right? Like a cat, should, anybody own a cat? They are way too agile for their own good. And you, you put a six, 800 pound cat, that's a, that's a bad recipe right there. And, and so when we read this, a lot of times I think we can, we can hear lion of the tribe of Judah and think mighty, powerful kind of military man, which is exactly what they anticipated Jesus, the Messiah, would be, didn't they? Like as the disciples walked with him, they kept waiting for, hey, when you rule this thing, remember? Uh, the sons of Zebedee kept asking, and the mom asked, hey, can we be on your left and your right? We want to be there when you come to power and show all these Romans, right? And so we think of mighty leader. We might think of in our culture, we might think American military, we're the best, right? But what John sees in that moment is not a lion walking through their midst, but what? A lamb. Not only a small lamb, but one who he describes as looking like it's been killed. I don't know what that looks like, but that's a way different picture than a lion walking through the middle, isn't it? And so you ask, well, what's this about? What Jesus taught us as he came and, and ministered on this earth was it's not about taking the, the guns and the military and the force to everyone, a lot like the Romans did to people. Again, they called it Roman peace, but what that meant was if you make a stink, we're going to put the hammer on your head, and then we'll have peace again. Okay, that was their version of peace. And so, thank you. Appreciate it. She's always engaged. She always is. But what we get here is not this, this, this lion, this military, you know, this, this conquering thing. We get a lamb who was slain. I watched a video the other day. Uh, it was shared by a, a preacher I love to watch. And it was this lady who was advocating all these gun rights. And somebody asked a question. It was time for Q&A. And they said, well, Jesus uh, didn't have a gun. You know, he didn't use force. And her answer was, well, if he would have, he wouldn't have been killed. Like, wait, do you know? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he taught? And I know for some of us in our culture, that's that's a hard thing. I'm from I'm from Southwest Arkansas, and I I love having guns and stuff. But if your picture of Jesus is conquering lion, military, you know, take it to the people, you don't know Jesus. And so Jesus presents himself not as a lion, not as a conquering military, but as a lamb, not only a lamb, but one that has been killed. That interesting. God's promises are true. Amen? What we see here is an affirmation of what Jesus has just told the churches. Remember as we went through those sections, 
that even when the church had a lot of things wrong with it, Jesus said, hey, you need to repent, you need to persevere, and if you are victorious, you will get all of these things. You remember that? Each church had its own thing. And so actually what we see in this moment is God showing John all this stuff is true. Notice this from Revelation 3, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. Did you see that? Okay? And uh, back in chapter 2, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown, okay? So it talks about a crown. talks about giving you life afterwards, right? And so that's what we see. And in Revelation 3 again, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. And so God is showing John that all this stuff that I have said to the churches is true. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with all of this information that you now have? Uh, from Psalm 132, just to, to kind of show you one more thing, I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. And again, you saw that. You saw even the lamb has, I think, seven horns. Never seen a lamb with seven horns, or seven eyes for that matter. But God is showing John that all this stuff I have promised comes true right here. And it's not just something that they would need to experience in the afterlife. It's not just something that they need to experience there, but it's something that you need to bring here. Remember how Jesus taught his disciples to pray? You remember that? Everybody know the Lord's Prayer? He's part of it. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, okay? Your, your, where? Just in heaven, right? On earth, as it is in heaven. Thank you, Brooke. Brooke, make sure we got that on earth as in heaven. So, so God is worshiped in this way, but the whole thing is that he's showing in this vision, he's showing John how it is done in the right way. And so when Jesus prays, again, holy is your name. Did you see him singing holy? Holy Lord, holy, holy, holy. He said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be praying that we are people uh, that are bringing parts of heaven to earth. There are other scriptures that talk about the new Jerusalem kind of coming down, that it's not all about getting away, but bringing heaven down to us. And so we've got to understand uh, this as we go through Revelation. So the question is, so how would the original audience take these visions? We've talked about kind of some of the things we would, how we would take it. Uh, Dr. Craig Coaster, who uh, wrote the book I've mentioned several times, he says, first Christians facing the threat of persecution might have found the visions reassuring, since it shows God reigns despite the hostility they receive from human beings. Power ultimately rests in the hands of the creator, not their accuser. So you remember there were a couple of churches that had been persecuted. One even lost a dear brother. He was killed because he loved Jesus Christ. He said, I am a Christian. And so for that kind of church, Dr. Coaster is saying this kind of vision where God is on his throne and he's got it all in control might be very reassuring. Would it be for you? You're facing something difficult in your life. I need to know that at the end of all this, God is in control, that God's got me. I need to know that for my faith. Okay, so that's reassuring in that sense. But he says, second, those churches, again, 
seeking to accommodate, which means just kind of go along with the Greco-Roman religious culture, would probably have been uneasy with the vision, for if God reigns, then compromising one's convictions for the sake of social and economic ease warrants the censure they receive in Revelation 2 and 3. So he said, again, going back to those churches, those churches faced, do I join? I have this business. I'm you know, making this material. And everyone who makes this material to make money for your family, you need to join this group, this association. We need to be a part of this. We still do that sometimes today. But as a part of this, each, each association has their own pagan god that you worship with it. And so for a lot of them, it was the discussion about, can I really do this as a Christian? For some of them, they said, yeah, I think so. I need to feed my family. That's a good Christian value, right? You need to work or you don't eat. And so they, they kind of start slipping in here. And so Dr. Coaster says, for those who'd kind of let some things slide, and now oh, we can sit here and eat these meals to these other gods, to see here where God is in control might be a little worrying. And thirdly, he says, the complacent and self-satisfied, boy, that, that just feels good, doesn't it? The complacent and self-satisfied would probably have found the vision disturbing, for in comparison to the splendor of God's presence, their pride in wealth and prestige is shown to be an act of self-deception. Think Laodicea, where the town, the people have so much money that I don't have to live on faith. I don't really have to rely on God because I've got it. I've got it handled. Remember, the church in Laodicea had experienced an earthquake, and instead of getting help from the Romans like most cities did, they said, no, we got it. We've got it handled. Our city's got plenty of money. We'll pay for it ourselves, which is a fine thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But if all we do is depend on our wealth, God slides out the back door, doesn't he? Because there's no room for him. I've got it handled. I've got a big bank account. I've got a good retirement account. I've got all these things in place so I don't have to live on faith. And that feels good. He said to them, that's probably pretty disturbing because God is being worshiped and not something else. How do these visions challenge or inform you? I think that's the biggest thing is to ask her a question. All right, well, what do I do with this? How is it that I should take this throne room scene. And for me, it is who is on the throne in your life? Is it you? Because let's be honest, there are days where I need to self-check and say, uh-oh, I have made myself the center of this universe. I was hoping my wife wouldn't say amen back to good. She did not. How many of you have a day where you look back, be honest, it was about me? Am I the only one? couple of you honest people in here. Some of you kind of maybe, I don't know. But what we can do is we can make something else, somebody else like ourselves or our desires, we can sit them on the throne of God and we can replace God with a pursuit of money or power or control or you name it. And what John sees is a very open, vivid picture of everything in creation is going to worship God, saying, holy, holy, holy. Not only worship God on his throne, but the lamb who was slain. It's not all about us. And so what is on the throne of your life? If it's something other than God, I want to encourage you to make that right today. We'd love to pray with you. We're going to offer a song of invitation. 
I'd love to pray with you myself. If, that, if you're uncomfortable with that, grab a friend, grab someone who loves you and will hold you accountable and confess whatever you need to confess to them and pray with them. Make that right, right now. Or would you come as we stand and sing?